have great audiences. People, people in Phoenix are great, you know, to filmmakers. They're great about, you know, how they handle discussions, asking good questions. Um, filmmakers are really impressed. Welcome to the 26th episode of On the Grid, a podcast dedicated to the Valley of the Sun. It's a place where you can come to meet the creatives and newsmakers taking Phoenix to the next level. My name is Philip Haldeman, and I'll be your host. In this episode, we're talking film. But not the best film so far this year, and not our favorite actors. Actually, we're going to bring it on home and look at the film scene here in the Valley. It's past, it's present, and it's future. A brand new film festival is about to hit the valley, and it comes to you from the folks at the Phoenix Film Foundation, which produces the Phoenix Film Festival. And lucky for us, we have the foundation's executive director, Jason Carney, to lead us on that journey. He's worked on the Phoenix Film Festival since its inception and grown the Phoenix Film Foundation to spread the love of film throughout the valley. And now he's about to continue that mission with the launch of a brand new festival in Peoria on October 19th. Jason? Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, you bet. So totally want to talk about the Peoria Film Fest, but I also want to get a little bit of background from you. You grew up in the Valley, right? Yeah, born and raised, born in Phoenix General Hospital, 19th wow. Avenue Indian School. Dang. No so, longer exists. I think it's like a food city now or something. Uh, now, something like so that. then did you, so you went to high school then here? Yeah, right? I went to Camelback High School. Camelback High, okay. So you lived pretty much Central Phoenix, okay. Yeah, Central East Phoenix, and you know, it's, uh, you know, got uh, really... At drama, you know, in the uh, drama department at Camelback, it was a huge department. It was great. Right. You know, the best instructors ever. Cool. We're still friends. Representing, and everything like that. Huh? Yeah. And my friends from high school were still like uh, Greg Hall, who's our program director of the uh, Phoenix Film Festival. Okay. He and I went to high school together, and so we're um, behind the scenes and front of the scenes acting. A little bit, bit of both. Yeah. It it got me through high school, man. There's no way I would have got through high school. The without, Outcast, huh? Without that kind of stuff, you what, know. Without, what was your favorite? What What was your favorite show that you did in high school? Oh, uh, we did a terrible show but it was so much fun it was called creature creeps and it was like a total young frankenstein ripoff and it wasn't it was it wasn't written a, by one of the students or was it just it was written it was a just found it was a play it, right out there i can't even think it was like ray sharky or something nice. like some, some random nice. guy and uh and we did it but you know it was uh was in it with a with a couple of really good friends and so it was you know it was it was super fun and we had to goof a lot and right and so uh wasn't a good wasn't a good script no, no, but no, we no. had fun you know so it's like one of those memories you have. Totally, we had the we did we always did a spoof of the com of, of whatever theater we, whatever show we did in high school. So it was we did Camelot. It was a spoof of Camelot. It was very uh, Monty Python. You know, there was a song called Camel Snot. You know, so you know we totally <laughs> right. did the same thing. You yeah. know? So then, what was kind of what was your like kind of first? Because um, you're a film guy, so what what was one of the early film experiences that you remember? I remember, like, my parents were super, super liberal. I, like, I would go to anything they went to. No. So, so they weren't know. putting, they weren't keeping you from watching. No, I'm seeing, you know, I'm like seeing that. Animal House at seven right. years old, yeah. and you know, right. Saturday Night Fever, right. of course, Star Wars. You know, right. I was like, yeah. I was right in that in that sweet spot too. Right. And so I remember, you know, getting go see those films in the drive-in. You know, your parents take right. you. They think maybe you're going to go to sleep. But you're not going to no go way. to sleep because it's Animal House. It's right. hilarious. To and it's it. the driving yeah. too, you right? Know? And it's a, it's a cool experience. And but I also remember like my grandmother. We would always go 
to the movies on Saturday. She'd take me. We'd go to to Chris Town, either the uh, the one outside the right. mall or the one inside the mall, like up the escalator. Where you, yes, that you weird, got your tickets one. downstairs. Right, right. There was no like checks and balances. Right. I don't see how anybody you could any, just go why people even paid. Right, right. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> that was like always seeing you know movies. You know, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever was out, we would go see on on a lot of Saturdays, and so those are a couple of really good memories of growing up and and just having like access, like any R-rated comedy, I was there. At what point uh, did you discover the Phoenix Film Festival? Oh, like the very first year. Okay. So my uh, remind me what year was that? Two thousand and one. Two thousand one. So way okay. way back. Right. Right. It was uh, at that time I was working healthcare management. And uh, I was doing theater. We had a theater company called Is What It Is Theater. Okay, I remember um, that, yeah. With my buddy yeah. Tom Levine and a, and a bunch okay. of other guys from high school. Um, and so um, this film festival started, and Greg, was, uh, Greg Hall was roommates with uh, Chris Lamont, who was the founder of the he festival. It, yes. And so he brought Greg on as the uh, program director right away, or okay. either that or Greg called Dibs. I think that's how it ended up. That's how it does Very like, at the beginning yeah. of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so like, Greg's like, hey, you want to come help me out with this film festival? And I had no idea. It's 2001. Sundance is going. You have some like idea of what's going on. I had no clue. Yeah, because even in 2001, there still weren't that many major, like major, major film festivals. Right. And there was nothing in this town. Not really. Like now, a couple yeah. had come and gone right. real quick. And like so. Spike and Mike or whatever. Right. You know, that was stuff like that, right. Basically. But you didn't yeah. think of it as like an event that somebody local right. would do. And, exactly. And so Greg asked me to come help out. And I was like, all right. And he's like, oh, we'll hang out. We'll have fun. I'm like, all right. So we, it was the first year. And it was that. And where know, was it at? AMC it- Arizona Center. Okay, so it was at Arizona Center. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, for the first three years it was there. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I, we just showed up and we ended up, you know, it was that first year mentality. Everybody just kind of jumps in and Greg and I ended up being running the, uh, like the theater operations, getting people in and out, double checking the films, all that stuff. And it was a huge, we had, I think they were hoping for like 500 and 3,000 showed up. And oh my God. it was only three nights, three so days. When, and, when that many, when that big of a crowd shows up and you're not really prepared for it, was there... Were you freaking out? I don't, not really, because we had really no, we had no feel, I guess, for what even 500 people showing up right. would be. You know, when you're, you know, I mean, I mean, we weren't young, but we were like, you know, 30. But, when, but, when you're, but it's still like you just, you're, you're kind of a, when you have no innocent, previous experience, you're right, from it, right? you have no idea what's going to happen. And it shows up and you're just kind of going with the flow. And of course, there's hiccups. That's how it is, you know, in film. And back then it was like 35 millimeter. There were like, you know, doing like a digibeta, so that all these different formats, and so there's always these technical glitches early on. It just, was it purely local? Maybe? No, uh, there was uh, quite a few local. I think the first film they showed was Raising Arizona. That was the very first. That film. was a big show. There. Yeah, yeah, right. Open. But then they had you know a lot of stuff from kind of around the around the country. They didn't go too international first year, and then from there we just kind of slowly expanded out. But that was my first my first taste of it, and I got hooked. You know, run it. You know, it's an energy. You know, going the uh, the adrenaline goes when you have a big crowd and everybody's watching a movie and everybody's on the same team. That feeling when you go to a movie and everyone just wants it to be good, yeah. and uh, even if it's not good, it'll be good. It just right, that energy, right? Right? Because you know? that it definitely it's a communal like, experience. Yeah. yeah, you go back later on. You're like, eh, it wasn't as good as I thought, but but still, it's that uh, you know that that community feel you get from a festival that uh, makes that makes things you know feel a little better and everybody on the same side. Which is still, you know, a cool thing about uh, going to the movies and going, especially the festival environment, or mm. with, you know, smart movie people. I guess right, right, you know they right. they all like are invested with you. How many uh, 
How many films do you remember how you screened that I first year? I don't remember. It was real small. We have like programs somewhere. I think we have one or two programs left and that's it from that first year. But I think it was, you know, we only screened what we kicked off on a Friday night and then we screened movies on Saturday and Sunday. I can't imagine there were more than 25, 30 mm-hmm. films, a little bit of shorts. So, and of course you put out submission uh, requests and Yeah, and back and, then it was, you know, it was all like they'd go to your website and then they'd get the form and print out the form and fill out and mail you an envelope, mail you a VHS tape still then. Um, and that's how filmmakers were sending, right? Right. Not then there weren't, we weren't quite, quite to DVD really like filmmakers weren't sending in DVD submissions until I want to say five, 2005 on the reg, regular, you know, there were a few mixing in early on, but like 2005, it's where like almost everybody was doing it. But before then, I mean, we have, we still have our library. It's kind of packed up and we have boxes of VHS tapes of films that that played in the festival. Yeah. Um, films that didn't get in, we don't keep those because we need a gigantic room to store space, all that. Yeah. yeah, but now it's all digital, everything that's sent to us. But yeah, people would just go and submit, and it's early on, and so there weren't, you know, as many. And Greg, back then, he was programming everything. You know, now he's really segmented on, you know, programming 12 competition features. But back then, he did all the features. He did all the shorts and everything, and that was kind of the way it was for the first, I want to say, three years. He was... Uh, kind of doing all of that and then in 2004 we split off the shorts and I kind of took that under my okay. wing in in four and I did a little bit in five as I became the festival director at the same time okay so you were volunteering at the time and uh, and maybe when you came became executive uh, the director you said you became director like a few years after yeah 2005 I became the festival director for okay. that festival and like at that time like I was just starting to really hate my job. I was oh, burned out in healthcare, job. my regular job, right. the one that paid me. And and so I just, you know, and I went on a high after the festival, I just quit my job. Like you said, 15 years, I gave my, thir- you know, month notice and everything. And I was like, we're going to try this festival thing. How and much of a leap of faith was that then? It was huge because there was no job, re- there was no job in place. It was like right. a pipe dream that there was going to be really in the fall. And so, like, November came around, and then we just had set it up where it was like, okay, here's what I need to get paid. Can we do this? Here's what I need to be able to pay my mortgage, all these things. What can we do? And we were able to set it up, and then, you know, it was it was a huge cut from what I was making in the healthcare, and let alone the health insurance and all that business. But, you know, my wife had the health insurance job, and she still does. So we'd been married, like, a year. And I was like, hey, what do you think about this? What if I quit my job and, and try to do this film festival thing? But but at that point, like every Sunday night, I was miserable. Like looking forward to going into the going into work on Monday. It was I was I was done, and she knew it, but I just wasn't happy. So she's like, "All right, let's do it. I support you." And and you know she was more supportive of it of the idea throughout the those six months than I was even. And so you know without her, there's no way like I would have made it. Probably I would have wussed out and went to work at some other hospital and been miserable. Wow. But that was yeah. So basically, November of 2005 is when I uh, took the maybe they made me the executive director and they had a salaried position for me. Was there a bit of a maybe financial struggle to begin with or? Oh yeah, for the festival, absolutely. Yeah, right. When you t- when, when you took right. a pick- 2005, oh. I hadn't. Well, for me, yeah, for right. sure, personally, right. It was it was fine. You know, we we set it up so. You know, we're not, we're not, we weren't big, like, stuff people. So, you don't have to, like, yeah. I didn't need a boat. You know, right, we're, we're like, yeah. we cycle, we like have like one car payment any given time. But, you know, it was, it was 
tricky from anytime you take a pay cut, it's going to be adjust. But it gave us time to adjust. We knew, like, okay, I knew I had this much time and vacation and sick pay, like, backed up from the from the hospital job. Okay. So I was able to live off of that for, for, like, six months. But we were able to adjust and, and figure out how things were going to work, you know, when, when a job came into and a salary came into play. And the first, like, year or two of this, uh, of the, the um, having a salary, it was, it was lean. There were, like, times where, like, all right, we need a couple people more to sign up for memberships so I can get my paycheck next week. So it was like that kind of, uh, you know, we were on the ropes here as an organization at the same time, like bringing on a salary. Like the organization was was struggling in 2005 on its own, let alone like, oh, now we got to pay Jason. But, you know, you have to like, you reach a certain point in an organization where you have to like pay somebody. You can't just go all volunteer. If you want to grow and if you want to get bigger, it's just a reality. And so we were at that point where we needed to make that leap. And, and it worked out you know, that, in the long term. In terms of paying you a salary, right? Right. Yeah. Having some, like me or whomever, they were going to have to pay somebody to make this festival grow well, and get bigger just, because it's too much. It was too much for a volunteer and right. not to have like a leadership person like there all the time making all the right calls and everything like that. And, so. and as far as, you know, taking a pay cut, you know, that's really... It really doesn't matter sometimes if you're miserable. You know what I mean? Like, right. really, if you're doing what you love, which it sounds like you are, it, um, if you're pay, getting paid less, it doesn't matter nearly as much, you know? Not at all. Not at all. It was an easy, it was a no, looking back, it's a no-brainer. You know, I'm thinking like, oh, man, if I was still in that job, how much I'd be making now? I don't care. It doesn't matter. You know, we're, we're so much, you know, I'm happier, right. which makes life at home happier, life at, at work gross. happier. Right. And so you don't, it doesn't really matter. It's about like what you love doing and things like that. And hopefully everything else will fall in place. Exactly. Obviously, you know, we need to pay our mortgage. And but that's a good transition but... to um, talking about how the, how the festivals grow. But, but uh, so to preface that, let people know about like, You've got the film Phoenix Film Festival, but you guys also have IFP. So explain the whole hierarchy. Of, oh, sure. Of the organization. To, yeah, the, for those that don't know. Right. The found the Phoenix Film Foundation is the That's the, the brand. That's the umbrella. The five hundred one c three nonprofit that I'm the executive director of, and under that we have IFP Phoenix, um, which is our filmmaker membership group. They and IFP film stands for Independent Feature Projects. Okay. Um, and uh, and we are there's there's a few others throughout the country, but we're not really affiliated in other way, any other way other than the brand and the name. Okay. And so, um, but that's IFP, and we do the film challenges through that. That's under IFP. Okay. All of our education. And so, film and cha- challenges are basically for for filmmakers, oh, yeah. local filmmakers who. Um, well, explain it a little bit. Yeah. Sure, we do two film challenges a year. The first one in the summer, which we've been doing, gosh, oh my gosh, fifteen so years hot. now since two thousand and four. <laughs> yeah, we do it story. every summer. It's yeah, like, it's when torturous. It's, it's torturous but, if you're going to shoot outside, but right. yes. but it's a sweet spot for us in our schedule. Right, so that's what we else do. Is going on, right? Right, yeah. and yeah, so. Yeah. We basically filmmakers will show up on a Friday night. We'll give them a line of dialogue and a prop and a couple other hiccups, and then they've got two days to make that movie. They've got to write it. They've got to direct it. They've got to cut it. And they submit it to us, and then a couple weeks later, we do a big screening and we give out awards and everything. and And we've set it up since the beginning that whoever wins that film challenge gets to be in the Phoenix Film Festival. That's a big part of the prize. Um, now you're in a world-class festival and so that's our summer one and we're getting ready um, we do one in the fall called the breakout film challenge and the idea behind that is where it's very similar in terms of like a, like maybe a line of dialogue or a prop but we give the filmmakers about a month to make their film and the idea behind it is 
that they're going to finish this film to be in this competition. They're going to have a finished product. And the prizes are um, free entries to film festivals throughout the country. So we reach out to other festivals and say, hey, can you give our winner a free submission fee? And so we end up with, you know, I want to say about 15 different film you know festivals that participate and so the idea is so they come here too or uh, maybe or is it a trade type thing no they they just do it typically they just do it it, because they want to they want to be cool and we would do you know if they had a competition we've done it for other other festivals or other film organizations in the past we'll let them free submit for free as part of the prize um but you know the idea is to get them to break out of phoenix everybody has this idea right you're you're you make your short film you show it for your friends and you're done or you put it on, and of course you put it online now. But I think, you know, trying to get them to expand out and get to play in other festivals and interface with other filmmakers and see what other markets are like, I think is a really healthy thing for growth in terms of a filmmaker. You know, you get comfy doing things the same way or working with the same people. And sometimes you got to mess with that a little bit and see what it's like elsewhere. Maybe, maybe you know, you're better than, than you think you are. Or maybe you're not as good as you think you are. And, and it's good for to, to see some compare and contrast for them. It's really eye-opening um, for, for a lot of filmmakers. And, and I think that's, you know, what we want to do is really get these filmmakers to be thinking that way. Like, all right, I just don't want to show my film in Phoenix. I want to show it in L.A. I want it to get to New York. I want it to go international to be, you know, start to shoot for those bigger things. And you learn... Like there's a marketing aspect. You've got to make a poster. You've got to make a postcard. You know, all these different things. You have to have your synopsis. All these things you're going to do to submit to festivals. And we try to integrate that a little bit into that competition just to get everybody like, okay, now let's submit to other festivals. It's so hard to break into this this industry, you know, Mm -hmm. on any level, you know, or at least, you know, filmmaking. Um, And you kind of have to know all that stuff, really. Yeah, marketing is like a it's huge a part it's of a what real, you've got to do. Yeah, marketing and networking is gigantic in film, um, and and you you can see what separates you know some you know regular filmmakers from others. People that bust their ass on that marketing thing and networking thing, they have a they have that a leg could be up. The difference they between... have a leg. You know, you see it. You know, where there's a there's a filmmaker that we've had that's been in our festival. He's not local, but he's um, but he's from California. But he's really great at that. When he goes to a festival, he's meeting people, he's greeting people, he's like his buddies with them. And then when his film comes out, now he's got all these people he's met throughout the country at festivals. When his film comes out on iTunes, boom, it shows up in the uh, like the top five. And that's because of that network that he's built over time and making relationships and being cool and not and, and reciprocating, not just looking for something for them, but when their film comes out, he's on board with them. And that's really, you know, it's it's about being, a lot of times it's about being a good guy. You know, you, you say that, you know, Hollywood's a tough business, but, you know, sometimes being a good guy pays off It takes more, more than talent, yeah. you know what I mean? Sometimes the most talented people don't make it because because uh, they they don't, it's it's hard for them to, to grasp and work within the, the business of it, you know? Right, they don't have those soft skills that you really need sometime to, or, you know, if they don't have them as a director... They sure as hell need a good producer that has that to really, you know, push their film out there and get that to the right place. Exactly. Yeah. And so this IFP, but oh, what, yeah. what are no, no, but what are a few other um, kind of things underneath the the foundation? Sure. Umbrella? There's the Phoenix Film Society, which we do um, monthly screenings. Oh, by the uh, way, yes, we are in the office of of the, of the foundation, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And so, which is located at um, uh, Harkins uh, um, Loop One Hundred and One in Scottsdale Road. 
And you just introduced um, a screening. What was the screening? Yeah, the Sisters Brothers, the new uh, John C. Riley, Joaquin Phoenix, Jake Gyllenhaal movie. But um, for the Film Society, we, we do monthly screenings, at least twice a month. It's a film before it's released. And that's released tonight, what you just were Tonight, tonight. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And we have um, usually a member of the Phoenix Critics Circle will lead a discussion afterwards. Um, uh, like uh, Matt Ro- Matthew Robinson is hosting tonight. He does the uh, Arizona Filmmaker Showcase down at Film Bar. Um, and he writes for a, a publication called darkofthematinee.com, or I guess a website, not a publication. Mm-hmm. But we have different people like that host our screenings and do the discussions afterwards. And so the Film Society is uh, like a membership base. People pay a due, and they come see movies uh, every month. And so that's really cool. We also have the International Horror and Sci-Fi Film Festival, which takes place as part of the Phoenix Film Festival. Um, We have the Arizona Student Film Festival, which takes place at the Phoenix Film Festival. We have the Phoenix Critics Circle, which is um, kind of a a large group of, I want to say, 15 or 20 local film critics like Bill Goody Coons and Matthew Robinson. And and then... um, and now we have the Peoria Film Fest. Yes, good transition. I feel like I'm missing something, but I think that's all of that. We got. It seems like we got a good list there. Um, we keep busy. So the inaugural um, installment of the Peoria Film Fest is is on the yeah, rise. It's coming up, October 19th to the 21st. Um, we're really excited. We've got uh, all but a couple films uh, locked in, and uh, we're just. Can uh, you share anything? Since yeah, we we okay. uh, we've kind of got them out on the website. Okay. We have a really cool film. The film we picked up, I think, yesterday or the day before, a movie called Shoplifters, which uh, won the uh, the big award at the Cannes Film Festival. The I'm, I'm not very French at all, but the Palme d'Or. Sure, uh, yes. For a lack of better French. Um, <laughs> it won that award. Wow. And uh, it's, Japanese, uh, it's the Japanese submission to the Oscars for Best Foreign Language Film. Um, and so it's apparently great, and we're really excited to show that on Saturday night. Um, that's a really good gift for us. Um, there's a film from Iceland called Woman at War, kind of the same situation. Iceland will submit that to the Academy. Um, and those are a couple of our international, but we've got some Ooh, really, yeah, some international is not like our, our big thing, right. but we found like really good ones. And if I'm going to play an international film, it's going to be good, you know, you cool. know, because I'm not playing a lot of international stuff usually. So, but we've got uh, a really cool film called White Tide. Um, it's like... This combination of like a cocaine fairy tale treasure hunt. Like this guy's like, it's a documentary about this guy who was just like gone through the recession. He was losing everything. And then he's at this like party in this campfire. And this guy's telling this story about how like he found some cocaine in this island and he buried it. And so this guy's kind of going like through the process to find this. And it is fascinating. There was this... Um, and it's art- a documentary, huh? Yeah, it was an article in GQ that the filmmaker read about. And so he just started filming. You know, he, he went for it and started getting the interviews and he had to get, like, some permission from, I think, Homeland Security to be able <laughs> to go to some places to interview and stuff. Um, and we knew him from another film he'd done called um, uh, Little Hope Was Arson about uh, church, church arson. Um, but this new film, you know, we knew about it early on and we're like... We helped him like he needed a letter like of support from a festival, so the uh, so the the authorities knew he was legit. That whole thing, but he ended up getting into Tribeca with this film, and so he wasn't able to show it at the Phoenix Film Festival because he had to premiere it at Tribeca last this past May. And so we're going to show that at Peoria, um, and they've just got picked up by Netflix uh, as uh, yeah. It's, the uh, documentary did yeah, it's wow. really great. I think it's going to be called. I think they're changing the net. The Netflix title will be the Lo- the Legend of Cocaine Island. It's a great <laughs> title, but uh, White Tide is uh, is the current working title that we'll be showing it under. But that's a fascinating movie that Theo put together. Um, just really well done. He's a great documentarian. 
And, uh, and we have a, a few other interesting titles that we showed at the Phoenix Film Festival that we're like, man, people, we want to get these over to the Northwest Valley. Right. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, so why did you, why did you, you live on the Northwest Valley, not Peoria, but what, what, how did you, how did the, how did the whole thing play out to, to have it after the screening in Peoria? Yeah, it's kind of weird because they had, um, they had reached out to us, I want to say February, have you ever thought about doing an event in Peoria? We're like, yeah, sure, let us know what you're interested in. We're going into the festival. We're super busy, but we'd be glad to talk. And we didn't hear anything for a while. And then um, I had a speaking engagement in Goodyear. I went to like some kind of like coffee talk, and they had it at wine, et cetera, or like in a community room. And they're like all of a sudden like 100 people are there. And these are all like West Valley people that are really interested in film. And so, you know, kind of the light bulb went off, and it's like, you know, living out there, I've always lamented that there's not really any cool film events. And so we reached out to the city of Peoria and said, hey, do you want to meet? And we met with their um, somebody from economic development and somebody from their communications department. And, you know, that was it. We had lunch and we're like, okay, we're doing this. And they came on board as the uh, presenting sponsor to, to help support the event and get it going. And, and now here we are. We're doing it. It just kind of uh, started in June where we kicked it off. You know, a simple lunch. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, pretty yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. You we didn't. We weren't. Um, you know, with the Phoenix Film Festival, we do a big call for entries. Submissions come from around the world, but this one, with the time frame being so short, we just did a curated festival. So basically, we, you know, screening a few films from Phoenix, uh, from the Phoenix Film Festival, um, using some contacts that we had, like Theo Love, and then reaching out to distributors and um, studios like Magnolia. Dark Star Pictures and a, and a few others um, that we, the Film Collaborative, some other folks we had relationships with and they started sending us screeners and we've kind of put together, you know, we have a really smart team of uh, folks watching for this. Um, a couple guys from the Critics Circle, Monty Yazzie and Jeff Mitchell, who also write for our website and another uh, guy named James Lee who helps me program for Phoenix. We just started sending them screeners and they give me notes and then we kind of piece together a, a lineup off of that and uh, I think it's really good. It's a really healthy mix. We have a couple international, we have some really great docs, we have narratives, comedy, drama, it's uh, some dark dramas, but it's uh, it's fun. And now we're just working on, we've just secured our opening night film, so we're um, preparing to announce that in a few days, and then our closing night film will be it, and then we'll be locked in lineup-wise. So it's uh, it's I'm really happy about our first, our first step forward with this event. And the lineup that we've curated, I think. Uh, so you think it'll come back? It sounds like. I, I hope so. You know, I think uh, if we have success there, people show up. Right, we'll be back 2019, and maybe uh, refine, maybe do a call for entries. That's what I was going to say. And all that business. Okay. Yeah, we'll have a little bit more lead time when we'll be trying to piece things together in really three and a half more months, which is a tight timeline for a festival. How many uh, films for Peoria? Uh, we are programming 18, 18, 18. different films. Film programs, we have like uh, two of those 18 are shorts groups. So we have like a Arizona Shorts Collection, and it features some films from the Phoenix Film Festival, um, our IFP 48-hour film challenge winner from this summer. Um, one of our, um, also during the summer, we do uh, film summer camps for high school kids through IFP. Um, and so the film that the summer advanced camp made, we're going to show that. And then there's a um, Huntington uh, School, Huntington University of Right over there, film, the right, right next to the theater, right. um, and so they're part of the festival, and so we're going to show a short film that one of their students made. It's part of that Arizona collection, and then um, the other shorts program we have is all of the short film award winners from the Phoenix Film Festival. 
So we have like a group of like best animated short, best live action, best documentary, best world cinema. And so it like like fit beautifully at 90 minutes. So nice. it's like, all right, these are our uh, best of PFF shorts. <laughs> and I think, you know, we have so many things going on at the Phoenix Film Festival that I think there's a good mix of people that haven't seen those films. And we also have this whole new audience in Peoria that right. don't know anything about us. And so we wanted to bring in, uh, you know, some films that I really liked uh, to showcase there too. So the uh, you've got you've got the Phoenix Film Festival, you've got the Pure Film Fest, um, and all these other these programs going on. Like when you look back at all this, like what do you what do you think? I mean, like it's grown so much, you know. Yeah, it's hard to kind of fathom where we were, you know, thirteen years ago, or really, you know, seven years ago. You know, after the recession and everything like that, and trying to like put together a festival and get on track. To, to where we are now it's crazy you know our festival's 11 days the phoenix film festival um and we made that step this past year when we were we were an eight-day festival and we jumped to 11 days to add the second weekend and you know being at the harkin scottsdale 101 is great we shifted 2004 we shifted from the amc to the harkins and we never looked back i mean harkins you know to be able to work with the local theater chain and and having like their corporate office here i can go to a meeting AMC, you've got to call like Kansas City or something to get any answers or get anything done. And it was just the right time. The Cedar was brand new when we moved up here. It had the Seneca Pre name. And if you grew up in Phoenix, you knew what the Seneca Pre was. And, and really, you know, me growing up here, Harkins, I was a Harkins kid. We had like two, two locations on the east side, you know, and they eventually like converted them to dollar theaters, but it was still cool. It was great. And so, you know, it's kind of it's neat and, and feels great to, to be able to work with them. And just to see the the growth of what we've done is 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 really, it's uh, it's kind of surprising, you know, just to like figure out how do we do this? How do we get here where we have like a couple of paid employees? We have such an amazing leadership team of volunteers. You know, we have I think probably about fifty five people that are like department heads or programmers that are kind of higher level volunteers, and we're just lucky that. We have such great people. I think a lot of what you're talking about too is kind of community, and I, I think that, from my outside perspective, I think the film festival um, kind of fostered and nurtured this community that was really always here, probably, or you know, and 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 um, it, se- it seems to me it brings people together, and that and that when you when a community starts to build, like it can be an infinite in a way, like it can just keep growing and growing and growing. So. Um, and, and so the, the festival and everything that comes with it, really, I see that as kind of what allowed this community to flow, to like kind of bloom in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And we see it with, with the film community and what like the quality that they've done and improves over the years. It's nothing. There's, there's a great feeling about seeing, you know, a filmmaker competing those challenges and you see them growing and getting better and getting better and then they kind of graduate from film challenges to do like bigger shorts and then you feature films yeah. and everything and that's like you know I, I feel like it's kind of a probably how a, like a teacher or somebody feels when they see their students grow up and you know do great things and we see these filmmakers and there's nothing you know we're lucky that we get to show their films like that's one thing our philosophy of the Phoenix Film Festival is they're letting us show their films we're not just like they're, we're the lucky ones they're not they shouldn't feel like oh phoenix film festival showing our film look at them they're so they're so good to us right they're they're allowing us to do that so we take that 
you know, it's a hard and responsibly, you know, and we have filmmakers, they don't get in the festival and they get pissed off and like, oh, I guess Jason doesn't like me and they have no idea that I don't really watch the films that we select at the festival. That's a whole, like, committee. We have, I think, 12 to 15 different programmers for each category. Like, there's so many films that I don't watch until, like, we pick them. You know, once in a while, the programmer's like, hey, can you take a look at this? Give me, give me your opinion. But generally, I'm not watching anything. I, I trust these people. You know, it doesn't help me to, like, watch one feature and say this has to be in. I haven't seen the other 50 or 60 that programmer's watching. He's going to know best what should be in because he's seen the level of filmmaking overall. But you see these films growing and getting better. And I think part of it's, like, the digital age makes it easier, makes it cheaper to make films. But I think it's this community. Everybody kind of ups their game a little bit every year. And, you know, we like to be part of that. That's why we have the Arizona Shorts programs. That's why we have IFP is because we want to foster that. We want to be, you know, we want the Phoenix Film Festival to kind of be that carrot at the end that they're shooting for. And and if it is great, if they just want to show it to their friends and move on, that's cool. You know, hopefully they're they're just making good films. And if we can help do that, that's great. And we get to see like other film things happen in town. Um, like the Phoenix, like PHX Film Collective, that, that's fairly new. It's cool to see those kind of things sprout up and people that love film, you know, sharing it with, with others. And, and it's just that communal experience that you have with film. And um, and I know like sometimes Harkins gets a, gets a bad rap because they're so big, but they're still, you know, they still started here. Dan Harkins, they're the biggest family-owned theater chain in the country. But I mean, they're still locally, still, you know, occasionally they'll, they're glad to release some local films, things like that. They're really good to us. We have a really good relationship with them. And you see all these other festivals pop up that, that Harkins work with and, and tries to give them the best, the best deals and opportunities they can, um, as much as they can. That makes sense. business sense, of course. Well, it's always good to keep it local. Always. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, I think, you know, having a big theater come out of Arizona like Harkins is a good thing for our community as well because they're on the net, they're on the map and um, for studios and things like that like films that open at Camelview like even exclusive film like let's may let's say it opens in 10 markets these super early ones Camelview exclusive the Camelview movie will end up in top three that's how powerful Harkins Camelview is where it's like number three in the country you know when these films release these big indie films and like um, it's a very sophisticated crowd too it's a sophisticated mm-hmm. crowd yeah. yeah and I think um, you know it's we do miss the old Camelview but at least, you know, the the idea behind getting these films here and giving them a big stage and things like that before other markets, because we used to be like probably fourth tier in terms of releases. And so now we're like second. It's like New York and L.A. And then we're in that second group. That's cool. And that's that was yeah. back in the day. Now that that, that kind of shows like right. us trying to get films in like, this market. You know. Little town, Nebraska, or whatever, you know. Right. You yeah, know? and that's you know that's what three weeks later, or whatever. But yeah, no, we are we get stuff early on, yeah. And that's cool. And you know, just to be be able to be kind of a part of all of these things is great. And you see people that that we know get involved, and then I see them going to the the PHX Film Collective, or I see them going to things at the the Film Bar, or you know, other events. And that's really great to see everybody embracing all these other things, not just us. Right. There's so many opportunities now, of course, you know. One thing I did want to ask you is, um, um, because of the number of years you've been doing the festival, like, what, share like a really crazy story or crazy celebrity or something that happened that would only happen at a festival or 
related to the festival. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story, but I'm not going to give you the guy's name. Oh, fine. Oh my God, I got to do it this way. It's okay. really good, though. <laughs> okay. So the uh, like, there was a film, uh, an Academy Award winner that was at our festival. And um, so if you're researching this at home, you can do a whole thing and figure <laughs> out who was at the Phoenix Film Festival. That was, But he showed up, and he was just hammered. Opening night, just just so drunk with our coming on to like our volunteer director and she was you know she's 24 years old sounds like a tom sizemore type thing yeah, <laughs> yeah a little bit but it, but it wasn't tom sizemore okay um but kind of that level where you expect from tom sizemore and so there was that whole issue and then he went back to the hotel and he walks into the lobby just singing loudly and this is a nice you know scottsdale resort just coming in you know blowing out songs in the lobby and they're like Kind of get him to calm down. He goes up to his room, and then he invites people over. He's got this party. The hotel tries to get him to calm down. They have the cops. He has a, par- show he has a party up. at the resort. Yeah, the in his room. Yeah, yeah. And so they had to like comp all of the rooms around him because he was being so loud. They had to have the cops show up, and you know, fortunately, the person that you know, because this is our sponsor hotel, somebody we worked with for a few years, and yeah. so this is a terrible situation. And fortunately, the person. Um, that put that deal together at the hotel. She was also on our board of directors, so she was able to kind of smooth it. She was like, like, it won't happen again. She's like, hey, this happened, Jason. You have to make sure this doesn't happen again. I took care of it. But it was just, and then at a screening, like craziness ensued after, where literally he's like running away from the theater. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, it was, That's it was madness. Yeah, classic it was. Classic Hollywood story. Right whew, yeah, a lot of, uh, he was imbibing quite a bit throughout right, his no uh, yeah. visit to Phoenix. And so, uh that was a bit of a, a crazy story, and somebody, one of the token people that won't be invited uh, back to our fine festival. There's only a couple of those names out there. Most everybody, they're fine, they're cool. If anybody's a jerk, it's usually the manager or the publicist. In this case, <laughs> in this case, it was both. So, uh, um, so there's that that kind of story. That, right. uh, but there's more. There's a hundred times more positive than good. You know, when we're dealing with filmmakers. Um, because they're 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 happy they get to well, show their film with an audience on your bridge you know right. what I mean like there's plenty of people out there that are talented in so many ways that will get hired over you if right you just you know if you're, if you're not psyched about doing something you just go you keep your head down you do your do what you need to do for the festival and move on but you don't you just don't be an ass be cool man hit your lines yeah. or no hit your mark and say your lines yeah basically you know it's the same thing when you go out to promote a film at festivals you know and, and you know and that's we've kind of our focus has been on really the best films and less about like oh we can get this film which isn't very good but it has this person attached to it that would come to the festival and you know i we kind of we've pushed our way so ourselves away from that we don't want to show bad films anymore we don't want to be and that was you know we did that i want to say six years ago or something like that we said okay we're not doing this anymore if this film is not good i don't care who's coming with it we're not going to show a movie because we can get a celebrity and it and it shows like and we're ramping up like the quality of films we get because of that um i think the studios are recognizing we're a good festival you know getting films like eighth grade blind spotting won't you be my neighbor um you know films like searching even um that that come from Sundance or come from studios and we get to show them first. It's really cool um, to see the quality amp up. And, you know, I think RBG, we also had RBG. So, I mean, these are like four films that could be, and first reformed, these are like four or five films that could be an Oscar talk. And we had them way back in April. And I think um, of all the, the, the studio releases that we have, I think the last one just came out like 
Pick of the Litter, I think, is the last that documentary about like got seeing eye dogs, which is so great. It's so adorable. But that's kind of the last of the PFF uh, studio films we had. They've just mm-hmm. been trickling out all, ever since April. And now we're starting to see like our indie films that were in our competition starting to get their deals end up on Netflix and um, picked up for like limited studio release and going on demand. So we're starting to see that cycle, that part of the year start to happen now for them. And that's really that's really great because those are the filmmakers that we bring out all our competition features. We bring them here. We put them up. We bring them in a, a couple days before the festival so they can bond and have a really good experience. And then they, you know, we screen their films three times, once Friday, once Saturday, once Sunday. So it makes them, uh, makes it worth their while to come out here. Um, and we have yeah, great right. audiences. People people in Phoenix are great, you know, to filmmakers. They're great about, you know, how they handle discussions, asking good questions. Um, filmmakers are really impressed by the... Filmmakers well, like to come here. Right, because they have great Q&As. Exactly, yeah. Full houses. And so it's a, it's a really good experience. And I think it's that whole, like we get to show your film attitude that we have, I think also makes them happy. And it's cool because they have that bonding experience where like there's a film that's being submitted and hopefully it's good, but this director has like people from like four or five different feature films that he met here involved with this project. So it's like almost like an all-star team working on this film he made and he met, met these people at our festival. And that's how we started working with them. And so it's like that great networking thing and community that a festival has. It's really got to be really kind of interesting to see it from... Because what people, a lot of people don't realize is that filmmaking from beginning to end, from beginning to um, having butts in the seat, watching your movie, takes a number of years, you know? Absolutely, so, yeah. This you, one, this one, I think, started, I want to say, three years ago right? when we first started right? shooting it. I mean, these people, they have jobs. They have day jobs in a lot of cases. And so they've got to work through that process, you know, and go to, you know, it's easy to like, okay, I'm going to take these three weeks off to shoot the film, but now I've got to go into post in addition to my job. But who knows how long that could right. take. Yeah. And so that's a long, drawn-out process. There's also this kind of hipster uh, aspect to it in the sense that I saw that before everybody else did type thing, you know? <laughs> Audiences love to, they love to do that, you know, and that's why... You know, we, we kind of have treated like the studio films as kind of our like our bait. Basically, you get them in with Won't You Be My Neighbor? And then they stick around for all these other films. They're like, oh, this is a really cool thing. And, you know, we have our, our staff that's really good at saying, oh, you might want to you like this film. You might want to see this, this and this. And people end up buying a pass and then they come back. And, you know, we've had people that show up, you know, see one movie. And now now 10 years they've been buying a VIP pass to this festival. Mm-hmm. They just got hooked on one film and came out. Once you experience it, it's, you know, it's a it's a great feeling as an audience member. You know, the experience in the line, you could, you know, you see a film and then an hour right. later you're in line with the filmmaker that made that film and he's going to see the same film you're going to see, or she. Um, in, in, hopefully in more and more cases, we have more uh, female directors. That's a big uh, thing we're starting to see a little bit more, thank it's God. It's going, yeah. Yeah. It's cool because you've been here basically your whole life. So um, I'd like to get your thoughts on the idea of, well, kind of how Phoenix has grown in the film community, but also just overall, obviously, you know. Um, So much growth has happened in the Valley. Um, So I'd like to get your thoughts on what you see the Valley of the Sun being like 10, 15 years from now, maybe both as a community, as a, the, uh, in the film community, but also just in general. Like, what would you like to see? 
You know, I think um, I think what we've seen is really good, like steady growth. It hasn't been like explosion, and then we gotta like collect ourselves. It's just been good, steady in terms of like really film and the growth of the city. There's been you know a few hiccups. You have a recession here or there, and you drop a little bit, but then you know it picks up, and generally like the growth is is pretty good and. It's nice to start to see people, more and more people that were born here live here. When I was growing up, you know, it was like, oh, you were born here? You're a native? That's crazy. And now it's becoming more and more common. People aren't moving away. They're staying put. And so hopefully that leads to more things like, like you don't have, gosh, you just have like a tear down and build something new mentality. And right, right, yeah. And hopefully we start seeing a little bit less of that where people like, aren't looking to do that. They're looking to like, okay, I'm going to buy this house. This is my home. This is where I'm going to live now. You know, not looking for the next market or the next thing, big thing. You know, hopefully we start to see that and hopefully we see some more like people that are proud to be part of Arizona, part of the Phoenix area. You know, with great things like Local First Arizona, that initiative and and um, other things like that, you know, and, and really cool events like like our festival, the McDowell Mountain Music Festival, and starting to see these things really take a good, like, firm hold, you know, and be around for a long time and become institutions. You know, in terms of festivals, we're we're a kid. Like, there's festivals our size, like Denver and Cleveland. They've been around 45, 50 years. And we're, we're fortunate that we've gotten to be, like, peers with those festivals in just a short amount of time. But, I mean, thinking about Phoenix as a city, it's also a kid. You know, it's it's been growing and it just takes time and and so we're not going to be you know boston chicago we're just not you know it's going to have to create its own identity and hopefully it's going to get there i just can't i feel like it's figure yeah i think you know you're starting to see people you're getting more like it's becoming less sprawl and more like infill i think infill and then like you're starting to see more character in each of the different suburbs and stuff like that absolutely and the neighborhoods in phoenix too as well it's starting to happen i feel like you know yeah you've got like melrose and things like that before in canto like neighborhoods like have more of a name when i was growing up Mm -hmm. that wasn't really there wasn't that identity and even in the when i even say in the 90s there just wasn't so i think again in the last 10 15 years that's become a thing so that's kind of nice where you see like neighborhoods like you know like that happens in cities where you have neighborhoods that have brands and names and identities and so yeah like i think and hopefully you know each city's kind of doing their own thing and you know trying to get not just be excited to have the next walmart and the next you know uh, whatever chain you know oh we got an olive garden here in mesa (laughs) you know but they're like starting i think people are clamoring for it you know like in cities like surprise people want more um independent restaurants you know, there's always going to be that group that's excited that the In-N-Out Burger is open, but there's that group that really wants, like, homegrown restaurants yeah. and family-owned businesses, and I think that group of population, they're getting louder, mm-hmm. and so you're starting to see cities actually respond to it and want to not get the next Walmart, but Absolutely. they want to get more mom-and-pop stores, or they want to launch something. They want to launch the next Chipotle out of their city, you know, however... However that works out, yeah. you know, you, you, you're hoping that that happens. Some cities are not going to be – some cities are perfectly happy being like, you know, having Walmart and Kohl's and, you know, and, and Starbucks on every corner. You're definitely getting louder voices, though, for sure, in terms yeah. of that. Yeah, you know? I never thought I'd see that. You know, I live in El Mirage, and we're so small that it's just not really a player. 
you know, but but being next door to Surprise, you hear that, and I never thought we'd see that coming where the city of Surprise, people are like, oh, we want better restaurants, we want high-end restaurants, we want independent restaurants, and, you know, it's starting to get that way, which is kind of cool, it makes it me is. feel better about living out there for the last 17 years. <laughs> so, but then, okay, real quick then on... Like, I'm, I'm sure I didn't answer the question. No, you did, of course, uh, but I was curious, I wanted, also wanted to know about the festival, like, like... Is the Phoenix Film Festival in 10, 15 years the Toronto Film Festival? You know what I mean? I, I don't think we, we, you know, I've been very careful in not trying to be another festival. You know, it would be great if we were like Toronto. You know, that's, that's for me, that's the festival that would be great. But like they're in September. They've got all the Oscar films. They're going to get those before we're going to get. But we want to be like, we want to make sure we're firmly into that next group behind like because you have the in in the U.S. you have Tribeca, you have Sundance, you have South by Southwest, you have Palm Springs in Seattle. Those guys are like first tier. We're good, you know. If I want to, I want to get us to the second tier and be good with that, and just be proud and put on a good festival because we, you know, from filmmakers' feedback, we put on the best festival many of them go to, and so we want to make sure we don't lose that just to be big. We've kind of found that sweet spot. Like eleven days is our spot now. It's from where do we go? How do we fit that 11 days? Do we add more screens to those 11 days? I don't think we'll go beyond 11 days because like Seattle's like three or four weeks. It's insane. Holy moly. But they own like two theaters, so it makes life easy for them. How does the Phoenix Film Festival's image, or what does the Phoenix Film Festival do that is different from other film festivals? Um, we have everything all in one spot, which is really unusual for a festival our size. Usually they're using multiple theater locations like you might have to go here take a shuttle to go over here to see this film or take a shuttle to go to the party we have everything in one spot which definitely ups that that communal that community feel because you're seeing the same people all 11 days and people form friendships at that festival and they's like hey we'll see you next year to each other and so that's a, a really cool vibe and I think that's really about us being in the same location. And I've gone to other festivals, and I hate that. Like having to go from one spot to another. You're like, oh, okay, I'll catch up with you. Nope, I won't catch up with that person. I'll never see them again. Um, and so I think that gives us a huge advantage and um, how we take care of our filmmakers. And everybody likes to say they're a filmmaker's festival, but we take it. That's our number one priority. That That's it. We're going to program. We want to program the best films. And we want those filmmakers to be really happy about what they get. We give them, you know, fortunately working with Harkins, you're going to get a first class projection experience and the theater environment's great. And, you know, we, we put together the right team to take care of them once they get into town. So that that community that's created plus those film, taking care of those filmmakers, that's like our winning combination. And, but I think that like the thing that separates us is everything's in one place, one stop shop, like from parties to seminars to screenings. Ticket center, it's all here within, you know, just a few, like our office here becomes our ticket center during the festival. Um, and then just outside, we put up a big tent, which is just outside the theater, so people can go watch a movie, then go have a drink in the party, watch, you know, check out a seminar during the party tent, all those things, and, and go back and forth. Um, and they don't have to leave. Um, our location, you know, is really handy there and that we have so many restaurants. You can come here in the morning, grab some coffee, grab breakfast, go see a movie, have lunch at another restaurant, see some movies, have dinner at another restaurant, and now the theater has a bar too, so if, you're, oh, if you like now. to partake, okay. 
you're you're set between the theater and our party pavilion. We got you covered in the alcohol uh, <laughs> range of things, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the theater, you know, as part of their renovation when they did the uh, recliners, they put in a really nice bar. And this one's actually uh, beer, wine, and uh, liquor. So um, uh, it always helps. Yeah, it yeah. always and they, helps. And they, and they don't mess around. They've good uh, right, top right. shelf tequila, so I'm exactly set. yes. <laughs> cool. Well. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the show. We look really, really forward to the festival coming up. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. this. Cool. Yeah. I've often spoke about community on this podcast. The improv community, the music community, and now, appropriately, I'd like to speak a little on the film community in the Valley. But to preface that, I lived in Los Angeles from 2000 to 2004. I've always had mixed emotions about my time there. I love it. I hate it. It was a point of coming age for me, and it formed the man I am today. But but one of the perks of living in L.A. is the movies. It's an industry town, and man, the amount of great films that have come out of that city, there's no comparison. And there are many things that you should take advantage of when you live in LA. The nightlife, the music life, and of course, the films. So during my time there, I made it a point to see brilliant films. Some that went on to become big big hits and others that didn't really extend further than the large markets. So when I moved back to Phoenix, I left that experience behind. And when I returned, I was kind of desperately in need of a community. And interestingly enough, I found a community in the Phoenix Film Foundation and their film challenges. Their challenges are something along the lines of improvisational film production. You get a suggestion, like a script line or a prop or something like that, and then you write and produce a short film within a specific amount of time. And then comes the screening and you watch everybody's finished product. And you're eligible for any number of awards ranging from production to acting. Now, after living in Hollywood, I did not expect these final products to be of the highest value. I mean, L.A. had spoiled me. I was expecting more along along the lines of, like, community theater, like, you know, junior varsity level. But wow, what a pleasant surprise. The films I saw during my first screening more than a decade ago were largely really well made, and I quickly became proud of to be a part of the, the local film community here in the Valley. And... You know, it's obviously improved since then. Yes, that is a testament to the resources provided by the Phoenix Film Foundation, but it's also a product of the passion within the community. It's been so awesome to see the growth in the film community, and it's no surprise that we now have one of the top-notch film festivals in the country. Thanks for listening to our 26th episode of On The Grid. If you'd like to reach us, we can be found at onthegridphx.com or email us at onthegridphx at gmail.com. On The Grid is produced by Chris Ayers. Intro music was performed by local band Factories. They can be reached at factoriesmusic.com. To learn more about the Peoria Film Fest, visit 
PeoriaFilmFest.com. Now, they've already announced the lineup for the Peoria Film Fest, but keep your ears open because there could be more surprises. The festival is October 19th to the 21st. Oh, and every episode of On the Grid, we feature a local band to play out the show, and this time, it's Obadiah Parker. You can learn more about the band at ObadiahParker.com. And he has recurring shows every Thursday night at Casimir's in Old Town, Scottsdale. That's it, folks. We'll see you next time, and thank you so very much for listening to our 26th episode of On the Grid. I got your message with your feelings for me I came over to tell you all I couldn't see us together I fumbled through the words, oh you took it well What happened then I'm not sure that I could tell In the smoke, yeah, I was moving slowly. They had me lying, saying I didn't know what was going on. And in the morning, I woke up in your bed. When the fog was gone, it was clear in my head.
up your trampoline, oh. 